0: How's it everyone? Welcome to Words, Words, Speak episode 2 proudly brought to you by Poison City Brewing. They are South Africa's first cannabis lager brewers. They've got four other fantastic beers. I actually didn't know about them until Christian brought them on board as a sponsor for the show and since then I've had one in my hand I think every single day. Yeah. Um, I do have a problem, so ignore that. Um, they do just have really good beer, though. Um, yeah, so episode two is with Brett Archibald. Yes, yeah, so Brett Archibald, he made world headlines a couple of years ago when he fell overboard in the Mentawi Islands, well, Indonesia, during a surf charter where he then went on to tread water out at sea for 29 hours. But there was not just treading water. A lot of things happened during it. Yep. And he comes on to the podcast and speaks about his whole experience. If that's not enough for you, he also wrote his own book called Alone. You'll see that in many shelves, in many different bookstores, even in the likes of Take-A-Lot. Mm-hmm. So definitely if you guys have got to the end of the podcast and want to read more into it. We'll put the, the links in the in the description of the video. So yeah. um, if you're listening, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe anyway. Awesome. Um, and we'll have all the links for you there. Yeah. yeah. Cool, guys. We'll enjoy episode two. Cheers. Brett. Christian. It's so good to finally meet you. That's good to okay, meet bef- you too, buddy. Before we start, I gotta get a couple confessions off my chest. Yes. Okay. First one is I actually didn't like you when I first heard of you. And this is why. My mother read your book. Yeah. Then my father read your book. Then my aunt read your book. And they're all telling me, read his book, read his book, you're gonna love his book. Every night I'd find it next to my next to my bed before I'd go to sleep. And I'm a stubborn guy, so I'm like, No, not reading it. <laughs> and then my mom just keeps telling me. You're going to read it and you're going to see that you should have read it earlier. I'm like, oh, no, forget about it. Then I feel bad because I messaged you saying, hey, I'd love to have you on the podcast because I've heard such great things about you from the rest of my family members. And I said, I loved your book, but I actually hadn't read your book. And so when you actually agreed, I wasn't expecting you to do it. I read your book in two sittings.
1: Fantastic.
0: And the whole, um, a major reason that I didn't want to read it is I was like, ah, South African books, like great stories, but just how well they're written because I've had bad experiences of trying to read South African books. And this thing was amazing. I I read a lot of it next to my girlfriend and she saw me laughing. She literally saw me towards the end of the book crying. You just, you jump around and you make me think so much about, it's not just a book about you. It also, it's a book about me too and self-reflection. And to see you go through that, it's so changed my perspective on a lot of actually what I'm going through at the moment. And to see like the bad stuff I thought I was going through, I was like, shit, well, 28 and a half hours in water, I think I'm actually in a great situation. <laughs> yeah. And so if, I just want to say, firstly, thanks so much for, I know this book took you a lot of time to write, and it was so worth it for me, and so worth it for all the other people that are affected by it. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for that.
1: Well, it's an absolute pleasure, and that that for me is, is the best accolade I could ever get, because that's the only reason I wrote the book. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's... So actually I didn't write it. I had the most incredible lady who wrote who actually did the prose and the writing for me. And at, at, you know, when I when I came out the water, what had happened when I when I was rescued, I spent my boat took seven hours to come and get me. And that's how far apart the boats were. And the the Australian guys are amazing and they really looked after me, but and the doctor, there were two doctors, and they said, you got to sleep, you got to sleep, because I hadn't slept in 96 hours by the time I was found. And I said, just give me a book, give me a piece of paper. And I just, and they gave me this little school book, the Croxley School. Yes. And I just started writing, and I filled that whole book up. Then I asked for a, a, a pad, they brought me a pad, and I just wrote and wrote and wrote, because I just wanted to remember every single thing. I couldn't believe I was had been rescued, and I just wanted to remember yeah. everything that I'd gone through. So I was just making notes. And I came back to South Africa, and and um, I showed my wife it, and and I was so inundated by the media and everybody, and I just didn't know how to handle it. And mm. interestingly, I had this amazing lady called Jenny Handley, who's a PR agent, and it's such a coincidental story how I hooked up with her. But she said, then one day we were looking at this, and she said, there's a book in this thing. And I said, I know the perfect person to write it. And got hold of this lady and we sat down and we started working on this thing. But I, the only reason I'd written all that down, because I wanted my kids to know, they were nine and six at the time, and I just don't, I didn't think they'd ever understand the normality of what we'd been through as a family. I mean, my wife, my wife's much younger than me, she's pitch black hair in the 24 hours or 48 hours that she was going through this trauma. I mean, her hair went white, completely white. So she, yeah, completely. She says to me, I'm going to spend all your money for the rest of my <laughs> life dying. My but I wanted, you know, I wanted my kids to know about it. And the more we started working on this, I suddenly realized it's not a story about number one, me, because there are five incredible stories in that book. Yeah. I mean, there's me in the water, which is a part of it. There's this crazy guy, Doris, whose mm-hmm. best friend died on the morning. I mean, that's not a lot in the book, but his best friend died on the morning that I fell overboard. And he knew he was dying, but he couldn't save him. And his crew said it was, it was like he couldn't save his mate, so he was going to save me. And he just put everything into that. Then there's my wife at home with all her family. There's nine guys, nine Australian guys, celebrating a 50th birthday. We are nine South Africans celebrating a 50th birthday. The two guys whose birthday it was, both their birthdays were on the same day which was the day I was found. These folks had Wayne Mudder. It was yeah. his 50th birthday. I remember swimming saying, Wayne, it's in the book. Wayne, I'm so sorry, but I will try because th- this could be a very, very, very horrible 50th birthday Yeah. if your mate dies, you know. And I said, said to him, I, in the water, I'll, I'll swim for you, Brie, I'll swim for you. So it's a... Ra- and, and, you know, a lot of people say, why did you do that book? And that's the exact reason. I mean, I... I get the most incredible, what you've just said, I, I will get three or four messages a week other than WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram of people. I got one this morning that is just mind-blowing. Yes. Just saying, thank, I've just read your book. I've been going through such a rough time, thought my life was such a mess, and I'm feeling all this self-pity, and then I have read your book and I realized, like, how can I, how can I be so selfish about the, the stupidest things in the world? Yeah, and even for me, I mean, we humans, we make mistakes. I, I mean, life's not always perfect every day of my life, but I can tell you, often I, I'm grumpy and I'm moany, and I, my kids are getting on my nerves, and I suddenly think, "Bro, you're worrying about this, and it's so trivial in the big scheme of things." Yeah, and that's why I've got. I mean, I say in the end of the book, my that book's dedicated to my three Fs: faith, family, and friends, and when all those work, and Everything's in sync in that. The rest, nothing else matters in this world. Mm. And that's why, I mean, i just, I just so stoked that I actually did it.
0: Yes, that's insane. Well, before we go into your story, I'd like you to almost give a bit of a from the start and we can go through exactly what happened, what was going through your head. But for me, I re- I've read it at some point in your book where although you got saved in what was a complete, like it was beyond a miracle, I think more than that, You trying, you managing to get your wife after reenacting a scene from A Fish Called Wonder, that was as much of a miraculous incident as anything. Yeah. Please, can you just talk me through that incident where you decided to swallow a goldfish accidentally?
1: Oh, no, 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 no. You can't can't dig deep that far back in my life. So, I I wasn't even dating my wife at the time. We were dating twins. I was dating a girl called Nikki and she was dating... His twin brother Brett her, yes. and Nikki's twin brother Brett, and we went to a black tie fly-in. <laughs> it was for all the aircraft aircraft in in Johannesburg, and we all flew into oh, I can't even remember the place, Matabu, uh, um Casino, and it was the Saturday night. This black tie thing, and the the decoration instead of being plants and flowers, were fish bowls. <laughs> <laughs> and the, There was this monster goldfish just going around and around and around in front of me for the whole dinner. then we finished dessert and everybody was sitting there and we'd had a few glasses of wine. And Fish Called Wonder movie had just come out, which I loved. I mean, I just, I laughed.
0: Fish Called Wonder. I laughed
1: so much during that movie because just that, uh, Ken, Ken, and you're saying, Ken, if you don't tell me, where the money is, I am going to
0: eat your fish. Eat your fish. Check for that. Check for that one, Mark. <laughs> oh, yeah, Mark, that's good. So yeah, you different. trying to reenact that? So I <laughs> I just found that so
1: hilarious at the time, and now this goldfish is swimming around in front of me, and I thought, I, I mean, to catch a goldfish is like impossible. So yeah. I, but I just went and I had it by the tail. Yeah. So I I was holding it up, doing that scene, k- 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 Ken, and the thing wiggled. I mean, I was never <laughs> going to eat it. It wiggled, and it just went straight into my mouth. And I had two choices. I mean, it was going. It just went straight down the back of my throat. I thought, vomit or swallow? Yeah. And I just swallowed this thing. And this woman sitting next to me at this table next to me was from the SPCA, and she went epileptic. She started. <laughs> she got something. She was hitting me over the head, saying, "You should be sued." That is despicable what you did? It was an accident. Like, I didn't mean to do this, but I did. I swallowed a goldfish at a black tie event down my throat.
0: And somehow you still managed to convince your wife you're a good person.
1: <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's a good memory. That's and a good memory.
0: And that's what I loved about the book is, like, I thought the whole time I was going to be, like, on the edge of your, edge of your seat, anxiety, almost depressing. Yeah. And you get these funny scenes like that where I just can't help laughing. And like another one for me was when you said like you were just hoping you could you could find something that you could hold on to. And you're yeah. Like, it'd be so cool if I found a fridge and I could chill on top of the fridge and have a couple of bin tangs waiting waiting for my yeah. friends to catch yeah. me. How funny that'd be! And like I, I lost it. I couldn't believe how funny I found some of these things. But um, almost back to a more serious note. Yeah. Do you want to just kind of give a bit of a context? I mean, Ma- uh, Mark hasn't heard your story or read your book, so it'd be great to almost give a bit of context to your okay. story.
1: Well, it, it, you know, it it was it was my third trip over there. Some of the guys, it was their sixth trip. And I think we all started going on these trips just because the world was racing past us. You know, the first one I went on, I was 40. I was living in London. I was running a big, I was a CEO of a big corporate. And all we were doing I was like just working Monday to Friday, Saturday, Sundays, just chasing the buck. Yeah. All the wrong reasons. And we'd all, we'd all grown up surfing in Durban and, some of the guys went on and then my first one was when I was 40 and I had the best time ever. Two weeks just with your buddies and we all lived all over the world, you know, you never see your mate. So once every two years get together and now we are going on this one. It was very interesting for me because I was so desperate to do another surf trip before I got too old. I don't know if you've been there, but I mean, it's power surf. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not for, for sissies and... I, I was thinking, hey, we're getting on now. I'm not surfing all the time. And you got to be fit. I mean, you've got to be fit and you've got to be surfing fit. You can go and sit on the inside and ride the shoulder. But if you want to ride good waves, you've you got to be fit and ready for it. So I was in that fit. My business was in trouble. I had an awning company here, just yeah, just up the road. And I'd uncovered a big fraud in my business. Um, I couldn't sustain it. I was probably going to have to liquidate the company. And I said to my I said to Anita, "I'm actually not going to go on this surf trip, you know i'm gonna just I've got to fix this business up and she said to me, she Brett, just go, go for two weeks, chill, clear your brain, come back. there's nothing you can do now. Kind of narrowed I'd got rid of all the the bad guys in the business. it was ticking along we I didn't know how I was going to resuscitate it, but she go and chill, come back, and we can we can uh, look at it from then so but it was also a radical time in my life. I mean, one of our one of our school buddies had died on the Wednesday. We were leaving on the Sunday. He'd passed on. Um, he'd gone on a conference in Thailand. Picked up a bug. Five days later, he was dead. And it was nobody. It just attacked his lungs. It was irreversible. Got uh, gangrene in his lungs, and he died. And we were like, holy moly! I mean, we've just turned fifty years old, and Rob's dead. And his funeral was going to be the following Wednesday, and we were flying on the Sunday, so we were. The Oaks were morbid. Um, a friend of ours in Dubai, he was due to come. That's how we ended up with nine guys. We were ten guys. He got diagnosed with stage four melanoma cancer in his back, skin cancer had to be cut out, so he was pulled off the trip. On the Saturday, we were flying on the Sunday, and it's actually it was quite a cool weekend because my. My wife's youngest cousin was getting married. But the radical thing was she was marrying an Australian. And I was not happy. (laughs) I'm not a big fan of the Aussies. Well, I wasn't at the time. (laughs) I am now. I love the Aussies. But um, I'd lived in Australia for two years. I lived there in 96 when the Cricket World Cup, much like we're doing now, that was the one Cricket World Cup we were going to win. And Alan Donald ran out Lance Clues. Now, on the last ball, we needed one run. He ran him out it was a draw Aussie went through on on run count and we we're out of the world cup but my it team loaded waltzing matilda on my laptop and and password encrypted it so i couldn't take it off <laughs> and every morning i opened my laptop i heard waltzing matilda so for a year of my life and they bolted shane warne and a, a big poster of shane warne and steve Steve Waugh on, the, on my wall. So I sat at my desk, looked at these two Aussie cricketers and listened to waltzing Matilda every day <laughs> of my life. Drove me nutter. So so now this kid's marrying an Aussie and we have this amazing wedding. And Anita dropped me at the airport, from came in from Stellenbosch to say goodbye to my kids. And it was just so weird. I don't know why. I, I run all the admin and Anita's a very um, arty person. She's, she's a piano. She plays the piano beautifully. She paints. She's got two degrees in interior design and law, a law degree, but she doesn't apply any of those. You know, she's she's a autistic person. And she doesn't. She hates admin, so or I do all the admin in our house. So all the banking. She actually doesn't even know how to do. She does now, but I mean, she <laughs> didn't even know how to do internet banking at the day. So. She, she she used to just use her card, and that was her life. You know, had yeah, the bills pay them, and I don't know what made me do this, Christian. I sat at the airport we'd got there quite early it was like half past five in the morning I was flying half past seven checked in and then we sat in the car and And I just said to her you know what you need to know about our banking and she said what for I said just in case something happens to me you know mm. and she said oh, don't be ridiculous and I pulled out this piece of paper that I, I actually typed up for her before I left with all our banking codes and I took my laptop out which I was taking to watch movies on but I showed her this is how you log on to the bank. This is how you do a transfer. This is how you do a payment. She was saying, I, I want to talk to you. I don't want to learn about this stuff. Anyway, I mean, three days later, she was scrabbling around trying to transfer money. Uh, it was just too terrible. And she, she was thinking, like, why didn't I really listen to him and focus on yeah. what, what he was telling me? But anyway, I got on this plane, and I was so tired. I, I, I mean, we had a big wedding the night before. The week prior to that, Robert died. I, I just couldn't get my head around this business. I was so upset because I'd really given this youngster a chance in my business. And I wanted him to take over. And he was the guy, the perpetrator who set up this whole... They basically had a business within my business and they're stealing me blind. And I was really, really upset about this. So I get on the plane just wanting to sleep. And I was going to do some business coming back. So I was I flew on my own. All the other guys flew in groups, Wayne and... and um, Wayne and, and was still in Durban then. Mark, uh, uh, Wayne and um, Tony and the guy Mark, they flew directly from Durban into Dubai. Other guys flew from here to Dubai. I'd, I was flying Cape Town, Joburg, I mean, Cape Town, Joburg, Singapore, Jakarta, where we were all meeting and then we we're doing the last leg. Yeah. So I got into Jakarta absolutely knackered. Um, I'd booked a room and interesting that the little card key thing was the, one of the things that saved my life I didn't I booked a room I think we had three hours Kip. I was waiting for the guys from Durban to come I got a message that they were delayed and then we didn't know if they'd make the connection the next morning so I'm kind of I've been in the travel industry so I'm like a mother hen and I'm worrying about everybody <laughs> anyway long story short we all got together they didn't even go into their rooms they had a shower and we're getting ready for the next leg and I didn't pay I mean I paid but i prepaid my but I didn't go and hand the hotel key back yeah. The little plastic key and, the, and the, the slip, I just stuck it in my pocket on my short. Flew to Padang, and this is where things started going wrong. And it's, you know, I always, there was a reason we'd all flown in early to get on the boat. Normally, you used to get there like four o'clock in the afternoon, get to the boat at six, because it's in the harbor, jump on the boat and set sail and sail through the night, be there in the morning. But we'd all flown in early to do the crossing during the day. Because it's tropical, normally, if there's going to be a storm, it normally comes in the evening. And our surf guide, in his wisdom, took the boat up the river, instead of putting it in the in the harbour. So we were tide dependent and we couldn't set sail till nine o'clock that night. And I lost it. I mean, I was so angry. We got dumped at uh, this place called the Happy Family Karaoke and Bistro. Yeah. And uh, there's the picture in the book with all the yep, bintangs ten bottles. there. ten Because originally that book was going to be called Ten Green Bottles. Okay, and then cool. nine green bottles, because Eddie wasn't coming, and then eight green bottles were hanging on the yeah. wall, because <laughs> <Yeah>. I was, why <laughs> the green bottle was paddling yeah. his way. But, um, so the whole tour was called the 10 green bottle tour, and I mean, a lot of guys, I mean, I, I guess I'd do exactly the same, hey guy, Arch, how, how drunk were you when you fell overboard? And I'd love to, I mean, part of me wants to say I was hammered, boys, at had 200 beers before I fell overboard. But we weren't. I mean, we'd had that, that number of beers. You'll see in that photograph, if you count the beers, there's 27 beers, there's nine of us, three beers each, went to the boat, carried on laughing. But Oaks were unpacking. We had a bit of, some of the guys got into gin and tonics were the rage, <laughs> and, and you can't get that stuff. So one of the guys had bought some, I don't drink gin and tonic, so But we were clowning around. We were having just such a good time catching up with the buddies and, and just enjoying seeing each other. And we only set sail that evening. That was our biggest problem. We, because we were running so late, the skipper organized us pizzas. And we got these three massive big calzone pizzas. And the guy, my, my very good mate from Marissa's, banger main God. I mean, he he's a giant of a man. He's like 6 foot 4, 115 kgs he can chop. But he grabbed this pizza and he was eating, eating. And I, I, I actually, I remember the smell of that pizza and the taste. It was disgusting. And we found out it was water buffalo. It wasn't even beef. Oh. It, was, it was rancid. It had been out in the sun the whole day, so before it was cooked. And I, I mean, I remember, I didn't even eat my whole, I had a quarter of a piece. And I didn't even eat the whole thing. I was eating and washing down with a beer and thinking, oh, this is horrible. But we were hungry, you know. I mean, we'd been traveling yeah. for, by this stage, we'd, we'd been on the go for about sixty five hours. Didn't know when it was normally you get a lovely meal from the guys. Anyway, we set sail and this storm came and it just pounded down. And I actually woke up 1.30 in the morning and I looked at my I looked at my phone. I had a blackberry in those days. It's so funny I did a talk yesterday at Wickham Collegiate in Durban. Yeah. In Maritzburg and these Kidding, girls yeah. they didn't even, they just started laughing. They thought I was so okay because <laughs> 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 I had a blackberry. <laughs> But I hadn't found anita, and that's and and you know I'm not. It's so weird because Anita lets me do. I do some crazy stuff. I've climbed the four highest peaks in in UK in forty eight hours. You got to run up the peak, run down, drive yeah. to the next one, up down. I do weird things to raise money and for for this charity that I work with and. She 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 just said to me, please phone before you do the crossing and after you do, when you get there. I just want to know you're safe because we'd had a scary incident on the first one we went, where a friend of ours actually went overboard. But he had such strong legs. There was a, a mounted exercise bike, yeah, and he was sitting on the railing on the boat. Had a we were in a storm as well. He had a beer in his hand, and he just went over. And one guy, Jean-Marc Tosti, went to grab him, got his lip, but he got his toe under the saddle. Of the exercise bike so he was literally hanging off the edge of the boat with a boat like that and i got to his other side and, we all, and then the boat flipped that way again he got thrown back into the boat and our all our eyes were this big i'll never forget our skipper came running out and he said if you he went ballistic it was an american guy chris and he just said you don't understand if mark had gone over he, you'd never find the guy you don't understand the sea it's not a and that stuck in my head all the time on boats. I mean, yeah. I used to check where the life jackets are. And I got on this boat. And that's the first thing I did. I went, and you know where the life jackets were? And I did nothing about it. I mean, right next to the blame. railing. No, that was the boy. But the uh, life jackets were locked in a cupboard by our, by our cabin. Locked in a cupboard. It's was like, this is ridiculous. And I actually said to the skipper, get the life jackets out so they're around if we ever need it. Because if something happened, you're not going to open a locked cupboard and get a life jacket, and yeah. you're going to be overboard. Anyway, um, we went to bed, and we, I woke up with this boat, just. we were in the front cabin, and our boat was just smashing. Bah, bah. And I said to my cabin mate, he, and I, he was already awake, and I said, whoosh, this is a rough one. And we'd have some rough ones, and we'd had some amazing ones. So, and I, it's interesting, I've never been seasick in my life, until now I get seasick, and I get seasick on my stand-up paddle board. <laughs> I'd never been seasick, and I I think it was a combination of the... Well, at the time, I didn't. I just, I just needed to go to the bathroom. And I went up the stairs to see a mate of ours running down. He had a screwdriver in his hand. I thought he was coming to stab me. I was like, bro, what are you... <laughs> and I just heard, help me, help me, help me. And it was banger, this big oak. What had happened was his cabin was on the side of the boat, but it had a sliding door. And with the boat banging and banging and banging, his sliding door was going kabang, kabang. And he got irritated, so he locked the door. Then he woke up feeling horrific, and he went to open the door, and he bust the lock off in his hand. So he was locked in his room, and he couldn't. So the other guy, Mark, bust the door open, and I was standing like, I'd just woken up, was going, boat was all over the place, and I just saw Banger there, and he was emptying his toiletry bag, and another mate, Craig Killeen, <laughs> underneath him, whose eyes were this big, <laughs> and Banger just being sicker. And this black stuff came out of his mouth, and I just thought, I was not a good buddy i just thought i've got to get to the toilet before you brew and i was gone <laughs> down into the bathroom and i just exploded from both sides i had a pair of shorts on i was sitting on the loo head in the basin and just uh, diarrhea vomiting they muslim boats they got those little hand showers you know i was just watching this black stuff and i didn't know yeah. how long i'd been there i mean i i remember crying You know when you're vomiting so badly? Yeah. I mean, the only one I can remember was from booze before in my life, but this was (laughs) ten times worse. When you you're vomiting and there's nothing more to come up, but your stomach's just going. And I remember was and just I actually I said I said God, please end end this. I cannot vomit again. And then I felt a little bit better, and I thought I have to get some fresh air. And I walked out. I remember seeing on the clock it was quarter past two in the morning, and I knew I'd been sick for forty five minutes. I thought, geez, no wonder I'm feeling so bad. And I walked out to the back, and there was Bang. He didn't even try and make the bathroom. He had a, he had grabbed a salad bowl as he ran <laughs> past the kitchen. And he was lying on the floor with his head in the basin, just vomiting this black stuff. And I said, him, but there was the diesel smoke. The guy on night duty was sitting over there, and, and his name was Buzz. I said, Buzzy, because he was fast asleep. I said, Brew. This is a bad storm. You're on night duty. You've got to be awake, watching everything. He went, oh, uh. Anyway, I got bang upstairs. Banger dived onto the bench. And he just said, oh, please find out how long we've got to go. I went into the skipper's cabin. I said, Skippy, how long? And I looked down at the GPS. And I'll never forget that moment. Our boat was halfway across the whole crossing. And it was 25 past two in the morning. A little light, green light. And I said, we were meant to be there at hoppers four or five o'clock, surfing six. In the water, and and we weren't even halfway across. I, I mean, I was horrible. I grabbed this little oak like miniature little oaks. So I grabbed him. I said, "Skippy." I shook him like, Whoa, "This is ridiculous, bro." We meant. He said, "Mr. Brett, big storm, big storm." And I, I you know, what just so radical? Five boats went out that night. Four went back. We'd always gone with international boats. This was our first time with a local. The boat wasn't in the best nick. I mean, the bilge pumps weren't working. The boat was filling up with water. He was too scared. To, I didn't know. We didn't know any of this at the time. I only found all this out afterwards. So I go back. I say, how long have we got to go? He says, Mr. Brett, 12, 14 hours.
0: Oh.
1: And I went, that means we're going to get there at lunchtime. I said, you've got to be kidding me, bro." So I go out to tell Banger, and Banger just starts being sick again. And it was just that moment... As I went into the skipper's cabin, there's a little bar fridge there, and it had all our cokes and fruit juices, and I just knew from being so sick, I needed to put some liquid back into me, and I gave Bango a coke, he said, I can't drink a coke, I opened the tin, I drank my coke, I was standing in the skipper's cabin, drinking this coke, shouting at him, walked back out, finished my coke, chucked the, the, the tin in the bin, and... It was so weird at that moment, the whole bin fell over, came out of it, had a stretchy around it, and with the waves and the bin, and the cans were everywhere, and I was thinking, oh, what a mess. I said, banger, we got 14 hours of this. He started being sick again, and it just got me going. And I went to the railing, and that's where, I mean, I'll never, I was holding on this upright pole, and and a pole going across, and my subconscious, I remember thinking, right next to my right hand, and there's that picture in the book, was was two life boys, one here and one there, five centimeters away from my hand. And I remember thinking, Brett, just loop your hand through. The deck's slippery, the boat was doing this, the waves were coming up, it was lashing rain. And I thought, just loop that thing around you. And then I vomited. And <laughs> I've got a very macabre sense of humor. My first vomit was unbelievable. I remember thinking, "It's like a fire hydrant. A I actually I spoke to myself, I said, Archie, good one. <laughs> the second one wasn't so good because I puked and it just came straight back in my face and the wind blew it all, all down me and I, I put a t-shirt on when I was talking to Banger because we all got lockers there and I was cold. And I was all down my t-shirt and I thought, oh, that's revolting. And then the next time I vomited, I I, I just felt this pain in the back of my base of my skull and I thought, if I vomit like that again, I'm going to black out. And that was the last conscious thought I had. I... The next minute I was in this dream, tumbling over, getting washed. All these white bubbles were around me, and I thought I thought I was in a washing machine. I thought I was a lightie again, like in junior school. Mm. And my mates, and they chucked me in a washing machine, thrown some Omo in, switched it on, and I was tumbling. And I thought, this is so cool. What a great, what a great joy. You know, why do we do this as kids? And then my head popped up, and the sea was all around me. And I, my head popped up, I opened my eyes, and I saw our boat. And I just, I, like, the, the incredulity of that moment, I remember thinking, I'm in the ocean. And next minute i tender tend the boat, which was on a, interesting, it was on a 50-meter rope that night, and I actually helped them pull it into a 20-meter rope, because they were worried that a wave would wash into and it would go down and it would pull the whole back of the boat off. So we'd brought it in, so it was bobbing right behind the boat, or 20 meters. So I pop up like this, I see our boat, probably where that wall is, and then... This tin boat goes past my head, and all I thought was, you have to catch that. I mean, I was never going to, but I just put my head down, and I swear, maybe 10 strokes, and I lifted my head up, and it was already there. I saw banger lying there. The lights were blazing. I saw buzz fast asleep, and I tell you, there's still not. I've read the dictionary from front to cover, cover to cover, try and find a word in English language that describes that moment, because I knew I was dead. I just didn't know how I was going to die or what was going to kill me.
0: Yeah, what fascinated me is that you said, like, you never cried, you never panicked. Mm. It was just, it was more, you said, like a sense of sadness. That That's just exactly knew I was
1: I I I screamed at them in the hope of, I screamed, hey, I, I don't know, just, hi, hey! But the wind and the noise and the sound of the engines, nobody heard. And they just, I just watched them sail away. And I just, I, I went, Afrikaans have got a word called you know, yeah. when you're like your whole body shivers, yeah, that happened. I just went and but I was I just I actually thought I know I'd die, and I was actually okay that I was gonna die in the ocean because it's my happy place. i because I, I think I mean, I, I don't know if you do, but I'm kind of getting on in life and you think like, how am I gonna die? when am I gonna die?
0: Yeah. I have
1: lots of mates dying. I mean, we just had our fortieth school reunion and sixteen Oaks are dead from our year, and I like you, yeah, so I'd thought about it and I, I actually, it, the sadness for me was I, I'd only been married for 10 years. My daughter was nine. My Lati was six, Jamie. And I just thought, ah, I'm not going to watch them grow up, you know, that. And I and I remember, I actually looked skywards, and I just started screaming at God. And I said, this is not fair. I've only been married to Anita for 10 years, and we we need much more time together. And it was in that moment, I, I, I don't know. I mean, my, my wife and my daughter get cross with me because I always say this. But I actually, I thought... Anita will be fine. Zara will be fine. But Jamie, he was he was six years old. We nearly lost him when he was born. He had a, a virus that attacked his heart. He's got a thing called ptosis, so his left eye hangs down. That's why he's always been bullied. But he's just the most incredible kid. And I remember just saying, God, Jamie needs a dad. You're going to help me through this. I don't know what, but I'm going to survive this.
0: So now you, you, you've you got food poisoning. I've got food poisoning. He's barely I've, slept since before he got on the well, plane. I haven't slept. Night. Yeah.
1: I actually, I vomited another three times, I mean another five times, and I actually went to the loo three times. And you know what I did? I undid my shorts, pulled them down, undid my belt, pulled them down, (laughs) did what I had to do, (laughs) sinking down in the water, washed my bum, bum, pulled my pants up, did my belt up again. I remember shouting at myself, going, oh, that is so ridiculous. Who cares if you got poop pants? <laughs> you, you're in the ocean. You're gonna die. You no, You know you really And and you know I was very blessed to work with Tim Noakes, Professor Noakes. And he said to me, I remember when I told him that. I said, Why did I do that? Because yeah. that's just bizarre. And he said, Our the human spirit and our will to survive is so powerful. We are magnificent creatures. We are the most magnificent species on this planet. And we don't even tap into a, a gazillionth of what we can do, our capabilities. None of us do. Even our top elite athletes can go so much further, so much harder. We just don't believe it, you know. We don't believe it that we can do that, so we don't do it. But he said, you decide. Your subconscious decided you were going to make it, and you didn't want to be found with a poobah. <laughs> <laughs> My mom always says to me it was the fine upbringing she gave, gave me in Westville. <laughs> but it was so bizarre because I, I, the agony... The cramping, everything I did, every time I took my pants off, was so, such a radical, like, massive use of energy. But I did it every time. And then I couldn't swim. Then my hands would cramp. I remember grabbing my hands, like, I had claws. And when, I mean, all, I never swam to get anywhere. I only swam to keep my head above water and see the waves coming. Because at first, when I was in the water, I was just treading water like, okay, how long can I tread water for? I mean, we'll try and work this out, but then the waves would just smash me, and I'd go under and come up, coughing, sputtering. And I found when I was doing breaststroke, just like I could see the waves coming, because it's weird, the sea's never dark at night. Even in the pitch, pitch black, you can see the waves. And I got used to it. I got into a rhythm, just pull my le- arms, kick my legs like a frog, check a wave, go under. And it was much better than, because I kept swallowing water and swallowing water and swallowing, water and I, I just thought, oh, I mean, this is not cool. You know, you not, you got to try and manage that process so I was just doing breaststroke and just counting all the time but every time I took my trousers down or anything like that my hands cramped and then i try and use a claw and get that finger onto that finger and just pull them. And how they how soon did
0: the cramping start after you went in?
1: It was I was cramping in the first 10 minutes of just treading water. It, yeah. it was too terrible and I kept it was interesting I cramped probably eight times but properly cramping. I mean at one stage my, my ankles on my right foot was against my bum my, my hammy was in such a cramp my leg was bent over like that and I remember I thought because I, I, now you've got one leg you try to do your my yeah. hands are balls and you can't do breaststroke you can't keep yourself up so I'm like trying to do this in the water and I remember actually getting my legs straight and managing to grab my toes and stretch my legs fully out in the water. I mean, I can't read, look how far. I can't even get close to, my, close to my toes. But I managed to do that in the water. I stretched my legs straight out and, and just lay there. I was just sinking below the water, bobbing, holding my breath. And then the, the cramp released. And I'd go off kicking. And what's going through your head? Just family and... But it, you know, what's, I, I don't know why. I, did. I mean, first, I never panicked. I never... I, I The first thing I did was, I didn't have a watch on. I had a t-shirt, a pair of shorts and a belt. I put my hand in my wrist here and I started counting my pulse. And I was going 1001, 1002, 1003. And my pulse was over 180 beats a minute. I mean, it's never accurate, but it, my it, my heart was racing. And I just thought, Brett, you have to calm your heart down you, because that's adrenaline. And when the adrenaline stops, you're going to go down like a stone. So, you know, I broke my neck in 96. I dived out of a three story building,
0: heal no, induced
1: tequila, full bottle of tequila, (laughs) sculled, dived. I was meant to dive out. I thought I was at the Olympics. I was doing a park, and I went into the pool about this deep. And I just, I mean, I took most of it on my shoulders, Mm. but I hit my chin and snapped my neck that way. And I was lying lying on the bottom. I had hair in those days, and my mate grabbed me by the hair, and he pulled me up. And I said, I made it. And he said, there was blood just chunking out of my chin here. Mm. And he said, you didn't. And anyway, Mm. I went off to hospital. But because of that, I've done... Quite a bit of yoga. I mean, I wish I'd done more yoga. But I've learned a few, like how just chant and do a yoga mantra. And it was so weird. In the water, I remember just treading water, closing my eyes, and just humming and going, just calm yourself down. calm." And it was incredible. I reckon it's so hard to tell time when you're just in that massive sea. But it it was not five minutes. and And I had my heart beat down. And then I just started this rational thinking. I thought, okay, I know my mates will come back. I had no doubt they'd come back. But now how long will they, did someone see me fall off? No, because otherwise I'd see the boat going round and round. They're going to get all the way there before they realize. They're going to wake up. And remember, all the guys were sick. Six of the nine of us were, it was all over. A friend of ours, Mark Ridgway, came up. And I remember him saying, it was just before I fell over. I was holding on the railing. Banger was lying on the bench. And Ridgie came up and he said, how are you boys doing? And I said, Ridggy, I think I'm going to die. I've never been so sick in my life. And he said, it's carnage downstairs. They're the puking, falling all over the place. He says, I'll come back and check on you guys just now. And he didn't. He went to bed, so he didn't see me fall. So they arrived in the, in the port of Tua Pajet the next day to record that the boat was in. And when they got there, they were like, hey, because I've got a loud voice and I'm always pranking Oaks. And my cabin mate said he, said, he said, he was lying in bed and he thought, where's that Archibald's voice? There's no noise on this boat. And he got up, and he started walking around, he looking, and he went upstairs, and he came back downstairs, he said, Oaks, have any of you seen Arch? And this one friend of ours, Tony, he said, yeah, I'm sure I saw him having coffee up on the top deck this morning. James said, I've just been up there, and so he thought, maybe I'm on the front of the boat. They went around to the front of the boat, nothing there, and then they suddenly realized I wasn't on board. And there was just complete carnage, I mean, but I'm in the water, I'm, I, 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 I'm calm, I'm no, they're
0: coming back for me. How long had you been in the water until when they realized that? Because they only got that lunchtime, so yeah. 12.
1: Well, they got there. They actually, I mean, they speeded up. They got there much quicker than the skipper had said. They got there at half past nine in the morning, and they were having breakfast at 10 when they fully realized I wasn't there. So I'd been in the water seven and a half hours by then.
0: How did you feel when the sun came up? Did you feel almost no, a you sense of was- relief?
1: Yeah, but it was quite interesting. The sun never came up that day, which was in my favour because if the sun had come out, and those it gets to forty degrees, my that's I, I'd actually kept my T-shirt. I mean, this is how I thought. I took my T-shirt off and tied it around my head like a like a uh, Arab headdress because two things. I thought it was we were getting a lot of rain. There was a, such a big storm. I loved Magava when I was growing up. Eh? I believe MacGyver's back on TV, but MacGyver could do anything. And this, I, I mean, our brain is amazing, but it was stupid amazing because I had this thing on my head, this duck, and I thought the cold, the, the rain water would go in it and then I can squeeze the rain water and I'd have fresh water. But the waves were washing over my head, so I was drinking salt water when I was doing that, not, and I only realized that about, after about the fifth time. But the rain was sore on my head, so I had my t-shirt on and I thought, but also when I went through a wave every time with this heavy thing on, pulled my neck back, so I chucked my t-shirt away. But my hope was I'd I was gonna use it to stop the sun burning my head. And I mean I still it was only it was a cloudy day. I've still got I've got to go and have all the skin peeled off my head. Because I, I the Aussie said when I was found, they said, What does he look like, mate? He said, Bright as a bloody beetroot. That <laughs> <laughs> was brother. But I was lucky. The sun didn't come out and we had lots of rain that day. So I managed mm-hmm. to get a bit of water in me. I didn't get burnt, but when the I mean, it gets light there early, you know. It's on the equator, so it's early, half past four in the morning. And the sea's still on its head? Sea's on its head the whole first day. I mean, so in a nutshell, 12 hours later, my boat comes back. Storm is upside down. I'm swimming. I've had all my funny things. I mean, I do have a funny sense of humor. I laugh at stupid things. So, like, two years before, I'm thinking I'm going to find a plastic packet. Come on, I mean, they're, they're everywhere. The sea's filthy. I blow up a plastic packet, tie a knot in it. Stick it in my jeans, in my in my shorts, and and it'll keep me afloat. You know, flip-flops. I'm just going to find... Fl- you walk on any wild coast or island, you'll find flip-flops. <laughs> yeah. You always find flip-flops. They never have a They never have good color. They never appear. But I was convinced I'd find something in that entire time. I never saw one thing in the ocean. Not not a pip, not a leaf, not a plastic packet. But I thought, I'm going to find this. Because uh, year two years prior, we'd seen a fridge floating along and so that's why I said that I mean I thought I was convinced I was going to find a fridge it'd be full of bintang I'd climb in it I'd be sitting dopping my bintang my boat would come along <laughs> I'd get back on the boat I made all this garbage up in my head to keep me happy you know and positive because yeah. I, I, I got sometimes I got so so despondent you know when I was cramping like, I can't do this anymore and I'd say goodbye to my family and I I, I mean I said goodbye to my Wife and kids eight times. Just I had no more left in me. And something would happen. But now my boat comes back. I didn't know. It was 12 hours to the hour. Half past 2 had fallen over. Half was two in the afternoon. They'd written the ship's log. And they actually stopped. This makes me feel sick. I mean, from here to that container, that blue container. That, that's where they were. I could see them perfectly. I didn't know that the rain was coming from behind me. So it was lashing down. I, but it wasn't affecting my eyes. I could see and two of my mates they were on the, and they were look i thought they were looking straight at me straight at me but they had hoodies on they had their arms folded and they were just looking down here because the rain was going in their eyes and the guys were running around the back of the boat i thought what a clever skipper he's stopping a 65 foot boat to not bring because he'll chop me up in the props they're putting the little boat in they're going to come and pick me up in the little boat i'm going to be dropping beer tonight we'll talk about this for the rest of our lives And I'm at the front of the boat, then I drift to the middle of the boat, and I put my head down and try and swim, and I cannot get there, the current's just taking me. Now I'm at the back of the boat, and there's still all this activity, and I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Why are you not coming to fetch me? And they'd seen a piece of polystyrene about the size of this table, about that thick, but it was so waterlogged, it was below the surface. So every time the waves picked up, like the corner of it popped up, and they thought it was like my elbow or my leg, they thought I was dead. And it was just my body so the whites being in the water you know bleached and just so they waited for and then they suddenly realized the polystyrene. and they started those engines up and sailed away again and i just I what. then you're convinced that i lost it uh, that you know when i fell overboard i lost it and i was i knew i was going to die but then i was so convinced I, my mates will come back now they've come back and they've sailed away and uh, they're not coming back again they're going all the way back to padang by the time they turn around there and come back again, I'm gone. I can't last that long, and they just kept going, and I just—that was me. I've done. Um.
0: I mean, it's it's a cliche question, but what's it like accepting death for you?
1: Peace you know, out. a lot of people. I, I, amazing, a, a young lady asked me that the, the, yesterday at, in in Maritzburg. I I was so at peace that I was going to die in the sea. Because it is my happy place. It's my church. It's my That's where I taught. I don't go to church. I, I I was very involved in the church growing up as a kid. I was an altar boy from Standard 4 to Matric. I taught at Sunday school. I played. I was not part of the church youth group on a Sunday night. But when I went to army, I saw some horrible stuff on the border. And it just did my head in, you know. I I was like, how can there be a God, you know. And I had all these debates. Well, we're fighting this stupid war. Why? Why? a lot of, I saw dead bodies, I saw guys killed, and I was like, there can't be a God, you know, and I, and I kept having all these debates, and when I finished army, I mean, I surfed as much as I could, and I always used to sit in the sea and just talk to God, and feel like I've got a complete direct line of, like, my red telephone, you know, I phone him, and I chat, and I just, I didn't go to church, I didn't go into church for many, 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 even if I went to a wedding of my mates, I used to stand outside, I was, like, so angry with the church, you know. But I remember having all these discussions with God, conversations with God, okay, I'm, I'm dying. And I actually said, am I going up? Am I going down? I chatted to my old man. My old man passed away in 97. I was like, hey, buddy, where are you? Are you up? Or are you down? I'm sure he must be down because he was a bad oak. Am I coming to join you? Are we Are going to be drinking beer down there? What's the story? And I never, I, I wasn't scared of it. I, I accepted it. I, I said I had many regrets. I started thinking about like things I wanted to have done that I haven't done or hadn't done. I mean, there's nothing now. I, I hadn't been the dad I wanted to be with my kids, and that made me sad. And it's hard, you know. I mean, even I'm, I'm back and I'm saved, and, and, and I'm still not the perfect dad that I want to be. But I think that's part of human nature. You know, we're never going to be perfect in anything. We've got to just keep doing every day is a new day, and it's never going to be a perfect day. you just got to work around it. But I was very comfortable... That I was. This is where I was going to die. I just the thing that drove me nuts was I didn't know how. I wanted to know how I was yeah. going to die. Was I just going to? Was it going to be painful? Was it like? I mean, you watch movies. Was it going to be painful? Is drowning painful? I'd read stories that drowning is beautiful, like a lovely way to die. It's all blue and purple, and you just who, fade who away. Wrote those? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> no, I, no, no, no. I mean, the, 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 my wife had read me an article. About a guy who fell in a swimming pool. It was a uh, yes. You, in the book. you heard about that? There, there, that's in the book. There, a, there was a guy. I don't know if he, he was cleaning his pool or whatever. He hit his head when he fell in, and he knocked himself out. And he was lying on the bottom, and he was he was subconscious. So he was aware that he was on the bottom of a pool, but he couldn't yes. couldn't move his arms, and he started breathing water. And, and he said, and he actually had this out of body experience. And then the gardener, someone saw him and he was pulled out and he survived. But he said everything just went blue and it was just blue and purple and it was you know, there was no pain and it was lovely. And I remember reading and thinking, hey, that's so... He's actually been on the brink of death and felt what it's like. Yeah. At the time. And so now I was like, is that going to happen to me? Or am I going to get charged, bitten by a shark and then I'm in agony and pain and this thing's fighting me and pulling me down. I didn't have any clue,
0: you know. But one thing you did say that would have stuck with me if I was in your position, was you said once when you were younger, you and your mate were walking along the beach, and you came across a dead body. Mm. And did that not stick in your head? Like, that's what I'm going to actually look like. And no, like, I did Because I, mean,
1: I knew what my body would look like. Uh, and it would, because you just, this body, it was an Indian fella, and he was white. I mean, he white, 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 like that little console mm. there. Bleached, but all his... His eyes have been eaten away by the bird or fish or birds, you don't know, his lips, all the soft tissue, ears under your throat here. And interesting, I mean, working, I've, I've spent quite a bit of time talking to NSRI guys, and the, the rescue guys say when they find these dead bodies, the eyes are picked out because seagulls sit on the body. It goes down, you've, your, your body sinks for about seven hours, and then the natural gases in your stomach start, and then your body, you just bloat out and float up like a beach whale.
0: And did that worry you though? Although yeah. you'd be dead, it's like that's what's going on. Yeah, yeah no, field. I didn't. I mean, I knew. I
1: just didn't. I just remember thinking that is going to be so disgusting. But also at the same time, I tried, at one stage, I tried to write a message to Anita. My yeah, I skin, I tried with my belt, try to write her a goodbye letter, you know? But that started bleeding. And I was thinking that's stupid because you're bleeding, it's going to attract the sharks, they're going to chow your body, and then no one's going to read your letter. So. You can't do that. So I threw my, I remember throwing my belt away and being so upset because that belt cost me a lot of money. <laughs> it was like stupid thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's, I really thought weird thoughts, but, but most of them were happy thoughts. I let go. For me, a very poignant and interesting moment was I'd, I, not hated, but I really disliked two people in my life that affected me financially, that affected me in my career. And I'd I'd held this anger against these people in my soul. Yeah. And it was in the ocean. It was in, in this weird moment. I I was thinking, I'd gone through everybody I could remember in my life to keep my brain from thinking about my situation. I had conversations with it started with my son, my nursery school teacher. That was the first person I can remember talking to, having a proper conversation. And then every person, I try to remember their name, where they lived in Westfall, what 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 conversation we'd had from primary school to high school, these people. And I thought, you know, I've, I, I've carried this anger in me for so long. Do they ever think of me? And I know where they live and I know what they do and everything. And I, and I suddenly realized, because they've done it to other people as well, I suddenly realized they don't ever think of me. And here I'm sitting with all this anger. How stupid am I? I'm the one who's walking around with anger and hatred in my heart, they don't care about me, and all that's doing is a negative in my life. How bad to have negatives in our lives like that? And I let them go. I shouted out, actually shouted to niece. I said, Neet, I've let them go. <laughs> and I felt, after that, I actually felt like I was on a magic carpet ride. Right? I felt like I could swim forever. And so I'm singing my songs. I sang songs. I love singing. I mean, I'm the worst singer in the world. My kids <laughs> even say, Dad. Like, I'm not even allowed to sing in the shower. Dad, shut up. <laughs> You're disgusting. You're terrible. But I love singing. I sing in my car. I don't know the titles of most songs. I don't know the artists. But I know the words of so many songs. (laughs) And I was singing songs. But it was so weird. Every time I sang a song that had a negative connotation or like bad words or something, I just stopped singing it and started a new one. And it was a happy song. And these happy songs, I was just singing happy songs, doing my breaststroke. (laughs) My boat came along, they went away, and then I... But then, from that moment, this is where I believe God came into it and just said, right, I've, I'm testing you and I'm now going to test you properly. You yeah. thought you thought you were going to be rescued now and you think you've been through a tough time, now I'm going to give you a hard time. And I just got clapped. I mean, I got stung by those blue bottles. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, I've, I kept, I was I remember being so tired and I know I was falling asleep, but those seagulls clapped me on the back of the head, they woke me up. I... Loved seagulls. Uh, they were one of my favourite birds. I did. I studied Jonathan Livingston Seagull as yes. my set book in trick. And <laughs> I I knew I'd fallen asleep because I was I was falling asleep a lot at the time. I was trying to mm. swim, but I just you know when you're driving or you like when you're watching TV and you're so tired and your head does this, and you wake up and it's like a, it's a split second, but you do that and you know you're nodding off. That had happened to me. Once already, and all these little fish were nibbling my skin. Yeah. And then they got to the raw skin at the back of my legs from where, my, where I'd just been kicking. My board shorts had just, they were rough cargo pants, and they'd worn the back of the, my legs away. I mean, it, and when the fish were nibbling my skin, I thought Anita was tickling me. I was like in this dream. My, my wife was tickling my back. And next minute they got to this raw flesh, and let me tell you, they started chowing the raw flesh. There was no tickling there. I woke up, and all around me were just these little silver fish. And I remember thinking, "You've got to catch them. You've got to eat them. This is food." And I was trying to catch them in the water and there. And I got so tired trying to catch them, I realized I couldn't do that. But then I know I, I I'd fallen asleep because I'd I'd done this, and as I did that, I was at such peace. And then my the back of my head, it was it was like a clap, and I lifted my head up, and this. I didn't even know what, what it was. It was just <laughs> this feathers and claws, and I thought I was in this like bang. This oak hit me here, and my I've still got this white scar on my nose here, and it just started bleeding. and And it was this, and then this thing took off, and and the next one came at me, and I was like, I'm being dove bombed by seagulls. And I was like screaming at them, I was saying, "Hey, bro! Hey, you, Jono. <laughs> Jonathan, you meant to be a good oak. A, but I tell you, those birds—I mean, they stand on on land. They stand about this high. They are monsters. They're not not white seagulls. They're like a like, brown yes, and white. Yes, yeah.
0: It's happening at night. No, it was it was just before it got dark. It was like late afternoon. By the way, when I was reading it, and I was like, "Okay, cool. Got two o'clock, then three o'clock." Because so I knew how you got saved. And I was like, "Okay, five o'clock," but. The Aussies haven't left yet. So I'm like, but he's not going to go through a whole other night because I, I skipped through on your photos. Then, ah, like, naughty. But you get picked up in the morning. So I'm like, that's not possible.
1: Like, I still got another night ahead of me. That killed me. I mean, so anyway, the seagulls, but it was, uh, every bad thing that happened to me within a split second, I found a positive in it. So like the seagulls, I suddenly went, I'd brew food. If I can catch one of these oaks, I can child I would have bitten that thing's head off. And I had the sunny thought, okay, bite its head off, squirt the blood down your throat, that's liquid, and then I will just like rip the skin, I can chow from the inside out. So now I'm in the water, I mean, it was too terrible, I did this, I put, I'm put i floating, I think I'm being secretive now, you know, I'm going to catch <laughs> seagulls, I'm, I'm going to get one to land on my head, while he's resting there, I'm going to catch him, so I'm going to pretend like I'm dead again, so I'm in the water, I'm peeping <laughs> through my eyelids, and I'm going like, because i got my tongue out, I'm going got my tongue out going, come on, come on, come on, come on. Because I think, now I'm going to catch this oak. And the two of them squawked at me and flew away. And I got, my eyes welled up with tears. I was like, come back, oaks, come back, please. <laughs> but as they were flying, again, when I said negatives, I suddenly thought, hey, I'd read somewhere, and our brains are so weird, because I'd read somewhere that seagulls, they like ducks. I mean, they can float on the water. They can just roost and bob along. But they don't like that. They they're natu- they like to roost and sleep on dry land, you know. So they'll either be on a boat or on, a, on the land or whatever. But they don't. But they were flying that way. I was doing my piece of paper. They were going west. The sun was setting and the sun peaked out for the first time. They were going west. I'm doing my piece of paper. They're flying back to land. And they're lazy birds. They don't fly for miles and miles. So the. Land's got to be nearby, and they gave me such hope. I was now pumped. I was gonna. I could easily go swim to land, and then suddenly it became dark, and I was like, "No way, I can't make it through another night." But I knew I had to.
0: And then we came across sharks. No the shark. W-
1: was also in the in the shark. So it was was the blue bottles. When I was when my boat left, I was done. I saw the blue bottle The blue bottle stung me. Uh, the shark. Came just after that I mean I had no concept of time so I just it was some time in the afternoon but the sea had calmed down it was just these big undulating swells and I remember thinking okay this is much better this is much better I can handle this it's not pounding me I can keep my head above another boat's gonna come some fishing boats gonna come and it was just after those fish were nibbling me this thing smashed me in my bed ba- I actually still feel it I mean I, I thought it was a Barracuda, you know, they yeah, are yeah. they are everywhere there. When you're fishing for chow, you catch barracuda all the time. And it, you can't eat it. It's a horrible. So you just chuck it back. But they can smash. They'll eat a strip of body in 20 minutes. So I thought, okay, cool. I know I'm going to die. 20 of these things are going to start chowing me. It's going to be horrible. But And then this thing hit me again. It actually pushed me in the water. It pushed me like this. And I remember going, that is not a barracuda. <laughs> and, I, and I knew it was a shark, but I wanted to see it. And I remember going under the water, and I was going around like this, and I saw it, and I just went, oh, my God. Ah! But it was a little guy, man. And it's a weird how, because it obviously magnified in the water, and the visibility was so good. And he was coming at me like this, and I remember thinking, and I did this. I lifted my neck up, and I said, buddy, just bite me here. One bite, rip my throat out, mm. and it's painless. In the moment of doing that, I saw his fin, and it was a black-tip reef shark. And he was tiny, man. I mean, it was just looked big because of the water. And he was coming at me, and I suddenly thought, I can catch you. I'm going to catch him, he's going to tow me to a reef. I
0: laughed at that part. Eh?
1: I mean, how stupid was that? <laughs> I believed I could catch a shark. Then I knew, because I, I thought i will sidestep him. As he swings past me, i <laughs> will grab him. But I mean, he's going at such speed, So I thought, okay. And this is where our brain, again, is so radical. Yeah. Because I'd thrown my belt away. In that moment of saying, bite me here, I saw his thing, I went... I actually say these words. I love Bear girls. Bear girls take off your mask. I'm going to catch this oak, and he's going to tow me to land. And that'll be a story that you'll want to try and emulate, you know. And so he's coming at me like this, and as I I go, I can't, I'll never catch you. As he opens his mouth to attack me, I'm going to throw my left arm down his throat. I'll lose my arm, but you know what, I'd rather have no arm and survive. And then I can throw, then I can hold him. And I'll just hang on, and he'll kick his, and I'll, be able to steer him and he'll be my engine. <laughs> I mean, it's complete ludicrous thoughts. But I thought, okay, I can do this. And But in that moment, I thought, you're such a chop to have thrown your belt away because when you get to the rocks and you're standing there and you got rid of the shark, your arm's going to be bleeding. You need a tourniquet. What am I going to tie to start? Otherwise, I'm going to bleed to death. And I was thinking these thoughts in these split seconds and then the shark turned away and swam away. And like she said, come back, come back, come back. <laughs> I've got a life coach. She said, "Brett, how bizarre was your life at that moment that you, I was like in tears. You know, tears of frustration. Come back," she said. "You were crying because your shark was swimming away from you and not coming to eat you." (laughs) I was, and he was gone, gone. But it gave me a huge amount of hope because I I knew I had to be close to rocks. And then it became, then it just got dark. Jellyfish, I saw them coming. Another thing, a negative thought. I had so many negative thoughts that suddenly became positive thoughts, and it was so weird. I, I thought I would put a jellyfish on my head, one on my throat, and push another one down, down inside and eat it, and they would just sting me to death. But as I hit those things, it just sparked me. Like, I got so angry. I remember picking them up and throwing them, and here you know, plop, plop, plop. But I, they just galvanized me. They stung me, they shocked me, they made me angry. And I, I mean, I believe
0: that's one of the things that kept me going. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like it got completely restarted, like a car yeah, engine. Yeah. And that got you through the night. And then, so then morning came again. And did you...
1: I hallucinated a lot in the, in the night. I mean, I saw a little perahal canoe with two kids paddled up to me. That was a night. I thought it was in the were, morning, yeah. They were chatting. They say, Mr. Mr., we come save you. And I remember saying, good, hey, I love you guys. I love <laughs> you. And I paddled up to their boat and went to grab it. And there was nothing there. The kid in the boat, I mean, I'll never forget him, he had these funny, terrible teeth. I actually said, hey, buddy, I'm taking you back to Cape Town. Thank you for saving me. I'm taking you to Cape Town. I'm going to take you to the best dentist in the world and have your teeth fixed. <laughs> I'm telling this kid that I'm going to have his teeth fixed. And I went to grab that boat. There was nothing there. I also saw a, I saw a pirate, Dutch East India 1634 boat, and it had two these two pirates, and there was, they shouted to me, hey, swim, young man, swim. We've got you. And I said, thanks for the young, bro. I'm 50. I'm so stoked that you think I'm young. And they threw a wooden ladder down the side of their boat. that I went to climb on, and it went down the side of the boat. And I went to grab the thing. There was nothing there. And I was like, no, bro, you cannot be serious.
0: And then you saw your friends as well?
1: And then I saw, I saw my friends. But interestingly, I knew my friends. The others I thought were real. When I saw my friends on the, on the boat, I knew it wasn't real. But I thought it was something just keeping me going, keeping my my body. Because each of my friends stepped off the back, and they put their hand out. And I swam, swam. I said, hey, thanks, But Went to grab their hands, could see the surfboards, and there was nothing there. And Tim Noakes said I was like falling asleep. I was asleep, and then I'd make this dream up in my head, go to grab their hand, and miss, and cough, splutter, wake up, nothing there. And I did that seven times. And then the last mate of mine... Craig Kalin, he stepped off the back, and I remember looking at him and I said, Craig, you're not here to save me, you're here to say goodbye, and he just nodded, and I, I was just at such peace, I just let go, and I just went down, I said all my goodbyes, and I, I now, think, okay, I don't know how I died. do I breathe in water or what, but I just had nothing left, and I was going down, and the most weird thing happened, my... My ears started getting sore. You know, when you're going deep, with yes. deep the pressure. And I started equalising. And, like, and I think, I thought to myself, that is so bizarre. You you dying and you worrying about <laughs> your ears. And then I got so angry again. I'm like you you are not dying. It's good. the sea was calm and the boats are going to come fight, Brett. And I I remember coming back to the top, and it was daytime. I don't know. I don't know how the night day became night the day before, and I don't know how night became day. But it was daytime. I could see two islands. I was so pumped. I was so pumped. I knew I could swim. T- I didn't. I mean, they were twenty-seven kilometers away. I would never have made it. But yeah. I could see those islands. I remember thinking, that's ten mid-mile miles. I've swum mid-mile mile. I can do ten of them. It's going to take me all day, but I'm going to get there.
0: Yeah.
1: And I started going, and but then the uh, the current just towed me and towed me and towed me. And I thought,
0: then the morning came. Were you convinced that day that you're going to get? saved or were you convinced that day that you're going to end up dying?
1: No, no, no. But when that day came, it was the most perfect day you'll ever see in the ocean. It was like this tabletop. There was not a ripple. I knew there would be fishing boats. Fishing boats everywhere and someone's going to pick me up. I turn around in the water and I see a fishing boat and I'm like, hallelujah. I could see the guys. They're fishing with hand lines. My silly sense of humor, I thought, you know, because I shouted at them. I, th- I thought, I was like, over here, guys. This is what came out of my mouth. Oh! My tongue was so swollen that I couldn't talk. I can hear the guys talking, they're chattering, and I swim. I, I think, okay, they can't hear me. I'm going to swim up to them. And then my silly sense of humor. Let me grab like, the line. Yeah, I'm, going play, <laughs> I'm going to play a joke on these guys. Because the last time Banger was fishing, it was late at night, and we fished with a hand line over the side, and the Oaks are just sitting, talking, having a beer. Yeah. And I'd slipped over the other side of the boat, gone under with a pair of goggles on and grabbed his line and pulled it. And he thought he had the big, and then I was like swimming down, pulling it. And he was shouting, hey bros, I've got the biggest fish. And they came and all helped him. They're pulling this thing up and I came up going, ha, 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 ha. And they, so I thought, I'll do that. Too. Can you imagine a little yeah. Indo guy? He's, he's like pulling, pulling, and this white Mlungu comes, ha. <laughs> so I'm my laughing man. to myself I'm swimming up laughing <laughs> laughing laughing I'm going to do this to this poor lighty and I got so close to that boat and I just heard like a tractor start I'm going <laughs> go, 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 belch of smoke and they sailed away the and I tell you I, I'm really not proud of this but I mean I, I, that's a, every bit of energy and belief I had at that moment went and I decided to end my life I decided I'm, I'm doing it Now I can't wait to find out Said all my goodbyes, I put my face in the water and I tried to breathe in water and I couldn't. And so I swam down and I was, I wasn't deeper, probably the depth of these lights, but I remember lying on my back with my arms open like this and I just breathed in. And our bodies are so amazing. I filled my lungs with water, it's sore and you've got a gag reflex because you've got, that's what stops us swallowing water. And But the moment you get the water past the gag reflex, it just goes straight down. And I breathe in and I breathe out and interestingly now the water's heated up in my lungs, it's coming out. During the night my teeth, my my, my tongue was so swollen my teeth started chattering. I, that's another radical thing because hypothermia is irreversible until you get warmed up. My teeth were chattering. I know hypothermia was setting in. I thought this is – I remember at one stage holding the socket of my eye and Pulling up with my, on my jaw to stop my teeth chattering because my tongue was so sore and I was j- biting chunks of my tongue off. And it was so sore and it was bleeding. And I was like, You have. So I was showing with one hand, I'm like, holding my first like this. And so now I'm breathing this water in, but it's coming out and my tongue is so sore. And I'm going, Ah, 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 ah. <sighs> ah, ah, ah. Crying like a baby. And the third time, I remember I was down there and, and I just wanted to die. And the pain in my tongue was so sore, my brain went, Brett, what are you doing? What are you doing, bro? You, 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 it's the perfect day. You've seen one boat already. There are going to be boats. Fight, fight, fight. And I clawed my way to the top, just coughing, vomiting water. And I saw this black cross. In fact, like exactly like that thing, that window cross there. Yeah. And, I, and I, I looked at it and I said, God, shove that where it fits best. I'm tired of all your signs. This is not cool. I, what is that?
0: You think it's another hallucination? I thought it was a
1: complete hallucination. It turned out to be the cross, at the, the top of the, the, the mast of the Baron Joey, And, and they didn't you, have their sails up, they were under power and they were coming at me. And when you realized that they had seen you? They hadn't seen me. They were coming at me, coming at me, coming at me, coming at me. And I actually said to myself, I'm not going to get excited. I can't go through another disappointment. If this is not a boat coming to get me, I don't. and then suddenly I saw the bow of the boat. There was a guy on the front. He was pointing left, right, left, right. And I thought, what are you doing? That's so bizarre. And I'm watching him, watching him, just treading water. I'm saying, please come straight at me. Please come straight at me. They're coming, coming. And then they turned away. But they turned one degree to starboard. I didn't know it mm. was one degree. But they, I asked the skipper afterwards why he did that. And I told you his best friend had died. Yeah. He said he'd given me till 7 o'clock. He said, because he'd been throwing coconuts in the water the night before. And he knew I'd be on the current. So he was following his coconuts. And that's why he had a guy on the front pointing, see a coconut, and he knew I'd be on the current. So whether I was dead or alive, I'd be floating, and he'd find me. But he said if I'd got, to, if he got to seven o'clock in the morning, that was too much time. I was now gone. He was, he believed, he, he believed all the time I was still alive. But he said if it gets to seven, then it's, then we're looking for a dead body. And yeah. it went seven o'clock in the morning, and he said he just put his head down and he and he spoke to his sister Denise, who died. A year before, and now his best friend had died, and he said, Denise, Gary, help me find the sapphire. And he said, a voice came into his head, said, turn one degree to starboard, which he did. He just turned.
0: At the right time. So he was coming at
1: me like this. The current was going that way. So he was actually following the current, but I'm on this part of the current going that way. If he'd stayed on that course, I talk about coincidences and radical things. If he'd stayed on that course coming straight at me, by the time he got to where I was, because they figured out I was probably when I saw them they're probably about two k's away from me if he'd stayed on that for two k's by the time he got here I would have been so far down there on the current that they would never have seen me but by turning one degree to starboard the current took me there I made a pact with myself I saw them and when he turned I went no ways I said okay I'm doing one of I'm doing I'm putting my head down I'm not lifting it I'm going to swim I went to the same school as Chad LeClo. I hadn't met him then I said Chad you, you're going to help me swim now like you did against Michael Phelps in the Olympics. You, I'm going to swim like you swam. And I'm going to be a dolphin in the water. I put my head down and I swam. I counted 299, 300, lifted my head up, and that boat was right there. And I screamed. I screamed. My, I said, when I got on board, I said, guys, did you hear me scream?" They said, yeah, mate. We thought there was a wounded buffalo in the water. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean, that's when, that's that footage you way out. Look how red my face.
0: No. Do you remember this clear as day?
1: Ah, as clear as day. You know they, they dropped a rope down. Yeah.
0: Ah, glorious, Fantastic.
1: you know I hadn't seen this footage until about three years ago
0: but they had a let they they'd put a I remember they were so surprised how chatty you were were you all there
1: I I was completely there I mean I knew exactly what was going on I just could not believe mm. I, I've, this doctor yeah. was talking to me and he I mean Is he, that 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 drinking, he gave me he gave me warm water and I said to him bro I've been drinking salt water for 29 hours I want a coke he said if I give you anything else your body will."
0: that's from the seagull there on your nose yeah
1: that's where the seagulls had smashed my nose and he glued, glued my nose up mm. and um, look at my lips I mean my lips yeah. were just I remember they were bloodless you know that
0: all the mm.
1: All the this on the side of my lips here, because I was doing this in the water Yeah. This it was so raw. Oh, I mean, we were yeah. talking quick. He was doing this, and then suddenly he said, "Look, I want you to sit down." And he went to feel my, and he couldn't find my pulse. And they quickly moved me down into the kitchen, and they put this blood pressure monitor on me, and my blood pressure was sixty-four over forty-eight when I was found. And Tim Oak said, like You'll be going... You would have been going... Your heart would have been going boom, 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 and then just stopped. And you wouldn't even know. You would have just sunk to the bottom.
0: And two days later, you're surfing. Yep. That blows I was my in the water racket. with the boys.
1: I slept for two... Well, I actually, I don't know. I mean, I, I, they said I just slept and slept and just drank all these hydration drinks. And then I, I actually... It was at night. I woke up and the, our, our boat was just like a morgue. I think everybody was just so exhausted after the search. And I went and I was sitting where, where I fell off, you know? Yeah. And they were so happy when he gave me that coca. And when did you realize the whole world was watching? When I got onto our boat, I'd actually, I'd, I was so tired. The people who owned that Baron Joey, they'd been to look, they'd, They'd been out to look for me in their speedboat, and they yeah. they hadn't found me, and so they came to the boat. So I was sleeping, and my mates came and woke me up and said, you've got to come and talk to these folks. So I went to talk to them, and then the, our satellite phone started ringing, and I didn't even know this. I mean, I was interviewed by Surfer Magazine, Worldwide. I had this whole conversation with them. I didn't even know that I'd done that. I only found out when I came back to South Africa that I'd done this full-on interview, and uh, yeah, I've just, <laughs> they said, the guy said to me, hey, what are you doing? Are you, I hear you're going for surf tomorrow. You're not flying back home. I said, man, I didn't travel all this way to yeah. go for a heck, and I came here to surf. And he he was like, there's no way. There's no way.
0: And so now what, what you doing nowadays? So are you still with the awning business? No, no, no. I never
1: went back there. Interesting. I did a, structured a okay. deal that uh, that my, my staff that were there at the time bought the company from me. Yeah. They did a little management part, which was amazing, and I, I ended up getting on the talk circuit very weirdly through through bishops, my son's school. I did their rugby talk. Where Francois Pino was meant to do it. He did me a massive favour because he couldn't make the talk, and he phoned, and I was actually having coffee with the headmaster, Guy Pearson, and they said, "Hey, you're the topic of your conversation. You're doing our rugby dinner." They sold. The whole of Kelvin Grove out. Come on. I did a talk there. Ten guys came to me afterwards and said, we really want you to come and talk to our staff. And it just put me on the global talk circuit. I've now done close on 400 talks in nine, 11 countries around the world to over 75,000 people.
0: That's amazing. So that you full-time on that now? No,
1: no, no. I've, I've still, I'm, I'm involved. I'm just extricating now out of an event management company. I, okay. uh, I do beer and wine, the Tops spa beer fest, yes. the Tops spa wine show. And we own a thing called Tough Mudder, the obstacle course race, Yes, which is in Elgin in October. You look like a fit young man. You, got, you guys got to come and do the Tough Mudder race, Okay, get dirty <laughs> and drink some crazy beer. And so that's, that's a business I've been involved in. I, I mean, I do a lot of consulting in the property and real estate thing. And oh, yeah, I was very lucky. I was on the NBC Today show in, in New York yeah. uh, at the end of 2017, 16, 18 months ago. And from being on that show, Hollywood heard heard about it. And then I just got inundated. I spent, I was in the States seven times last year meeting with Hollywood. And
0: so is that yeah, happening? Very,
1: that's happening. They're making a movie of our book. Yeah.
0: When does that start?
1: It uh, will probably start on the 1st of September.
0: Okay. And what good looking acts are they putting in your place?
1: Uh, Bruce Willis. I, I, hey. <laughs> that's, what, that's who my wife wants. But he's too old, man. Come <laughs> on. I would love. Jason <laughs> Stratham, I, so, or, or um, uh, Jason Bourne, who's the actor? Right, Matt Damon. Uh, Matt Damon, I'd love him to do it. Uh, yeah. well, he's got the accent down as well. Yeah, but I, other, you know, I don't know how the movie will turn out. I mean, I, I don't mind if it's, you know, it's hard. I don't necessarily need them to make it a South African movie. It's are you going to be on mates. set
0: for the consulting and all that? Yeah, through? I've got it,
1: I've got it. I will have a producer role just to keep it. I, I want it. The biggest issue around making this, because I could have done it two years ago, a big blockbuster Hollywood movie, but they, they started putting all this garbage in about giant squids eating me and me popping the things. I said, bro did you not read that book? There's enough to make two movies. Yes. You can't, can't even make a whole movie with what's in that book. So there's so much information. So the choice is yours. Anyway, the guys we're working with now, it's it's... They, they very much, Hollywood's interestingly into a whole thing around faith-based movies, you know, real-life stories. Yes. And, and so...
0: And that's why they're coming after Mark Wahlberg.
1: Mark Wahlberg could be a good guy. He's doing a lot of that kind of stuff. That's so cool. So, yeah, it's just, it's been a crazy, crazy journey, but awesome. I've met the most incredible people. I've been exposed to the most amazing things. Now I've met you two clever young men who are doing <laughs> this awesome stuff. Yeah. This is really cool. Yeah. You got to keep doing it, pursuing it.
0: Thank you. Uh, sadly, I think we are out of time. The, the equipment only is about an hour and a half worth of talk awesome. time. I think we um, at the end anyway. Just to end off though, like where can anyone find you if they're keen to get you to do a talk at the school? So,
1: i my, my website, Brett Archibald. Just Google Brett Archibald, and as young Mark googled me, <laughs> it just comes up pages and pages. But my website's there, all my contact information. Yeah, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter awesome just get hold of me drop me a note and I'll happily come and talk to the school I, li- I really like talking to kids that are finishing school yeah talk to them about resilience the changes in the world how to, how to face them awesome it's a great journey thank great.
0: you great thanks so much Brett really thank appreciate it thank you guys it. and we're up. cool do we survive we survive. hey shake and bake yes i got we some, are survivors I've got man. such a bad bladder <laughs>
1: you're very bad you're very <laughs> Yeah.